Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, a show about living your best life. Big topic today, my God, shame, 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 shame. How many times do we hear that word, use that word, starts in our childhood, shame on you. I remember hearing those words, shame on you. You know as a child that's not a good thing. Shame is a word that just hearing it can make you feel so uncomfortable. And as an emotion, it's one of the most painful emotions a human can experience. It's also an emotion that's probably the most avoided and defended against. So we definitely want to find out what is shame. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it adaptive? Is it maladaptive? So I had to bring on an expert, of course. So I brought on the amazing and brilliant Melissa Henley, psychotherapist at the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and specialist in emotions, trauma, shame, relationships, anxiety, These are all very connected. So first of all, welcome back to the show, Melissa. Thank you. And I love talking about uh, emotions, and that's my specialty. It really is. Today is a a very big topic. So thank you for suggesting it. I'm so glad you were here. I'm so glad you're here and you could make it. I want to dive into it. I just want to, as always, let people know if you'd like to join the conversation, you can call us at 1-866-472-5792. Uh, if you're not comfortable on the phone, you prefer to text one five one four seven nine six four three five seven. Email info at helpforanxietydepression.com. So we have to start with the million dollar question: What is shame? Mm, great question. And you know, there's a lot of differences between. Uh, sometimes shame and guilt go together. Mm-hmm. You know, we often talk about them together. We hear about them together. But actually, there's a lot of differences between the two. So definitely, um, when we talk about guilt, it's we're saying that we did a mistake, we did something wrong, and we feel guilty for it. And then when we talk about shame, it's more about our identity, where we feel like I am a mistake, and we attach it to who we are. So I am a mistake coming to what I brought up adaptive or maladaptive. I am a mistake is not an adaptive or healthy thing to say to yourself. Whereas I made a mistake and this is where I was, you know, preparing for the show. Guilt can be adaptive because Mm -hmm. sometimes we need to know if we made a mistake because we need to make reparations. Mm -hmm. And it's like what we talk about parenting. You want to tell your child that they did a behavior that wasn't good, but you don't want the child to be bad, the entire entity of the child. So what you're saying about shame is you become the the bad. And it's funny because we're going to talk about the, um, the antidote to shame. And the antidote to shame, ironically, is empathy Mm -hmm. because we're humans and we make mistakes. So um, the idea is that I am flawed, I am worthless, I am a bad person, I'm not deserving of things, and therefore I need to dissolve into the floor right now. Mm -hmm. And the only way out of that is to feel like, well, hold on, I'm a human, I make mistakes, we all make mistakes. So before we go any further, I want to just mention that when people feel the emotion you just discussed – uh, research tells us, that the, tells us that there's three typical reactions to feeling shame. So think about this as you're listening, where you fit into this, and we can discuss this 
is people tend to do one of these three things is that they feel a sense of shame. So you get like red in the cheeks, you feel really uncomfortable and you'll either move against shame by trying to gain control or power over others or being aggressive. So you see this often, let's make sure we make this clear behaviorally. You see this often when, you know, maybe um, someone's accused of something or they're in the spotlight mm -hmm. and instead of sort of owning it or dealing with the problem, they attack the other mm -hmm. person. So that's really moving against shame. I don't want to feel this feeling, so I'm going to make you feel ashamed. Yeah. And I loved how you brought that up because that it's it's all the avoidance, right? Because that painful, that emotion is so, so painful, painful. We want to blame other people so that we don't have to feel it. The next thing that people do, which is Honestly, I think the most common is that people move away from shame by withdrawing, hiding, keeping secrets, or staying silent. And I think this is a big one because um, where where there's a secret, I always tell my clients, where there's a secret, there's shame. Yeah. Secrets in family make shame grow. Mm. Okay. So, but that's what people do is that they're so uncomfortable. So let's push it away. Let's not mm -hmm. even pretend it exists. Yeah. You've seen this in your clients all, all the time. Let's not talk about it. Let's try to bury it under the rug. The problem is, is that I guarantee you it will find a way to come out. So whether it comes out more directly or through indirect behaviors, which we can talk about later. Yeah. I want to talk about that with you. And mm -hmm. also, wouldn't you say that this is as a, a fellow psychotherapist, isn't this a, like a natural segue to anxiety is yeah. I'm going to push it away. I'm going to push it away. But the problem is it lives in my body. And as anxiety specialists, we know that what lives in our body that we're not dealing with comes out often as anxiety, if we're lucky mm -hmm. and disease, if we're not. Yeah. It's the anxiety is covering an emotion and shame is often well said. Here's another one that I think is quite common is if people don't move against or move away, they tend to move towards shame, but they do it by seeking approval and belonging. This is our caretakers. Yeah. Our caretakers, because you feel such shame. I'm like bad. I'm like something's not worthy about me. So I have to be very, very loving and I have to get your approval so that I don't have that sense of shame. Yeah. So you see, that's at the root of caretaking. Yes. The root of caretaking, and I also see a lot that when, because with shame, we feel broken. We feel that our wholeness is not whole anymore. And so I see a lot when you talked about the approval, I loved how you brought that up because a lot of perfectionism stems from a lot of shame when we feel inadequate yes. or when we feel not good enough. Sometimes people overachieve yes. to hide all those insecurities. It's so true. It's so true. And it's, you know, the type, I talk a lot often about type A personalities and I always say, who's a type A personality? And I put my hand Me up. Too. <laughs> you know, I am a type A personality, but type A personalities, if you think about what you're saying, there's a, there's definitely an element of shame in that yep. because you, you know, type A personalities are, you know, they often are movers and shakers. They do quite well in life. But underneath it, what drove that car to mm -hmm. make them want to do so well? And and the problem is, you know, as you get older, you start hitting walls because you can't always do so well. Mm -hmm. And that, then shame is going to come up. Mm -hmm. Terrible, terrible shame. So we were talking before the show about, you know, the maladaptive nature of shame and how it came out of evolutionary times about yes. the and the sense that if you're not part of like a tribe, if you're yeah. kicked out of the tribe, that would be like dangerous. Yeah. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Well, you know, evolutionary, if we think about like 200,000 years ago when, when we lived in tribe, and it was very important for our survival to be a part of the community and to be a part of, um, together with, with other people, a part of our tribe. So when, you know, when we feel shame, it's very, it can be very helpful emotion for us because it keeps us from people liking us and it keeps us from not, um, acting out on any behaviors that potentially could get 
get us kicked out of the tribe. So, so you're talking about an adaptive part of it. Yes, it's but very adaptive. we have to be careful, though, because shame can be very, mostly maladaptive. Well, when does it become maladaptive? Well, you know, the research really shows that the feelings of shame themselves are maladaptive because they feel awful. I guess what you're saying is that it came from an adaptation that was adaptive. Mm-hmm. Excuse the pun. <laughs> like it was adaptive to keep us, I think guilt is where, where we get to guilt here a little bit is to, what you're saying is to keeps us on the straight and narrow. Yeah. So, but that's guilt again is to live by the code and do right things. But guilt is like you said before, I made a mistake. You mm-hmm. said shame is I am a mistake. Mm-hmm. I am a mistake is not adaptive. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, in your view, in, in my, my view, it's not. In my view, it's, it's, I understand what you're saying in terms of it can become very maladaptive, but shame itself, um, there's some research that suggests that when we do feel shame, it can help us to keep people from liking us and for us not to be too um, overconfident, too over, like that grandiose feeling. Okay, interesting. So shame can help to a certain extent. Now, again, there is a there is a border where then shame becomes it's, very unhealthy. And most of the time we see shame as the unhealthy part because we don't know how to regulate it. Yeah, well, I think that's what we're going to have to talk about is like what does it feel like? What are the what are the what are the um symptoms of shame? Mm-hmm. I want to read a quote from Brené Brown who's, you know, her research is, you know, on shame. She's done so much research on it. She's really quite amazing and uh, she talks about shame and she says that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we're flawed and therefore unworthy mm-hmm. of love and belonging so going back to the evolutionary times is if we feel we're unworthy of love or belonging that's the fear in the brain that will be kicked out of our tribe and if we go back like you said many many years not being liked by your tribe means that you could be out there and the wolves could eat you mm-hmm. she goes on to say that we're afraid that people won't like us if they know the truth about who we are where we come from what we believe how much we're struggling or believe it or not how wonderful we are when we're soaring this is another piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. so even doing well mm-hmm. can be considered shameful you can yeah yeah so what are the symptoms of shame let's let's try to go through them yeah so uh definitely feeling um feeling judged um i see a lot of in my clients where this competition do you see that a lot where people start to compare themselves to other people and feel less than their peers or oh yeah well the facebook phenomena has certainly it's brought that up hasn't it yes i don't know how many times i tell my clients to delete instagram just for a little bit oh that's so funny you know get take a break from facebook because when we start comparing ourselves it's just going to lead to feelings of uh inadequacy or or uh, shame so also do you hear sometimes statements where why did i do this or i'm so stupid yes yes or does it happen to you sometimes i can definitely relate to that sometimes i do something and i'm like oh i'm so stupid why did i do that and then i catch myself and i'm like melissa how am i talking to myself yeah um also we can also shame other people so like statements like what's wrong with you or why did you do such a thing um when we feel extreme self-consciousness uh, we talked about this, Sandra, we said striving for excess of power, like trying to always um, strive for the best and strive for more. Mm-hmm. Or, and I loved when you talk about this too, is that you talked about the caretaker, but another symptom of shame is the victimhood. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so these are all ways, though, that it's definitely maladaptive. These yes. are very problematic ways. Very. So the sensation in your body, we're going to take a break, but the sensation in your 
your body is a very horrible feeling. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to choose this topic because I'm sure people listening right now have everybody's had this experience and it's a horrible experience. You you feel like you're going to be thrown out. Yeah. You're going to be rejected. Abandoned and abandonment feelings come up that we don't belong. It's one of the painful most painful emotions that we can feel and almost everyone at some point in their life have or or is going to have to experience the shame. Well, that's a good teaser for the commercial break, because the thing is, one of the things that I want to get through on today's show for sure is that as I was preparing for the show, because it's such a big topic, Mm -hmm. um, is there's so much literature on the fact that vulnerability really is like really protects us and makes us deal with shame so much better. And yet vulnerability is what people feel is going to shame them so much because if you're vulnerable, you're like literally naked. You're more exposed. Exactly. So I really want to talk about that in terms of romantic relationships, family relationships, and we'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandarish. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. This is such an important topic that even Melissa and I are on the commercial breaks discussing shame the whole way through. So I hope you're joining us and I hope you'll consider calling in at 1-866-472-5792 or you can text 1-514-796-4357 or email info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Has shame showed up in your life? How do you deal with it? So we were having a, like a discussion earlier about the adaptive versus maladaptive and where it comes from. And I I actually, we found something that we wanted to read about this um, from a book on shame, which is 
where it started being adaptive, although we consider it a dark emotion now. So, but originally, this is what the book says, the dark emotion originally served to keep our species safe. Shame was the evolutionary way of, of us trying to hide our flaw from others. If the others knew our flaws, they would kick us out of the group and evolutionary, that evolutionarily speaking, that meant death. Mm-hmm. So I guess like many other things, it was adaptive. Yeah. And it tra- changed. It did. Which really happens with a lot of things. Yeah. It pr- it protected us at one point, but now it's it's not serving its purpose anymore. And it's become, it's almost taken a whole new level. It's, it's become it, really painful. It's very painful. And I want to also talk about, you know, if you have shame in your life, yeah, you're yeah. pointing at something. You want to ask something? No, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, say to why it's so difficult to, you know, when I talked to, when we talked about how evolutionary now it's not, um, it's not helpful anymore because when every emotion has an action urge, meaning that when I feel an emotion, I want to do something about it to kind of get that relief, whether it's helpful or not, Mm. there is a relief. So for example, when I feel sad or when you feel sad, how do you let that out? I cry. Cry. And when you feel angry, how do you let that out? Uh, Raise my voice. I don't know. (laughs) Raise your voice. Maybe we'll be more aggressive. We might uh, throw things, right? So we might um, hurt ourselves, like some self-harm can come out. Right. Um, When I'm happy or when you're happy, how do you express that? Smiling, laughing. Yeah. So smiling, laughing, having fun. So with shame, where does it go? How do we release some of that shame? That's a problem. problem. It's a big problem. And, and, and that's part of it is it gets like stuck in you. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, that's where, well, that's where we're going to get into the fact that there are things you can do about shame. Yeah. Um, It's interesting because uh, the antidote to shame, according to research is empathy and uh, having empathy for yourself and others is like it kills shame. As a matter of fact, there's a very famous quote about how to grow shame uh, from Dr. Brown. And she says, if you put shame in a Petri dish, it needs three things to grow exponentially, secrecy, Mm. silence, and judgment. But if you put the same amount of shame in a Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it cannot survive. How do you make sense of that? Well, definitely, definitely when we have shame, it's accompanied with a lot of critical thoughts. And that's what feeds the shame is that we have negative thoughts about ourselves. So I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm broken. I'm flawed. I'm defective. I feel like I'm a failure. So all of these judgment, it just, it's like giving pizza to the monster. It's like feeding right. the shame, all this, all this negative self-doubt. So why would empathy, why, why would that be the opposite in terms of helping the shame not survive? Well, I think it's a process. I think that step one, even before the empathy, well, I guess for internal empathy is like, I'm human, this is okay. And maybe even telling someone your story. Mm. So maybe you call up a friend and you tell them, you know, I did this thing that I, you know, like I'm really not proud of. I don't feel good about it. The thing is, if we go back to our Petri dish, by telling your friend right away, you're taking away the secrecy and the silence and the judgment. And what happens is this is where your relationships, I said, I talk about this are extremely important because then you're being vulnerable. So you choose your audience carefully. Don't go to someone, a parent who's always shamed you and tell exactly a critical, but if you, you know, and this is actually where therapists come into play. Honestly, it's a lot of the work we do because clients have to know, and it's very important that you feel safe with your therapist to say whatever it is. And that's our job. 
job to normalize that we're not that shocked by, you know, like I like like, you know, I don't want to be like flip, but like you slept with your hamster even. Mm-hmm. We've heard a lot of stories. Yes. Okay. And there's humanity, and I know that's a little bit of an extreme thing, but sharing your story and receiving empathy in return dissolves shame. Mm-hmm. So it starts with having the courage to talk about the secret in your family, the secret that you're holding, the secret, you know, the fact that you weren't always, you know, um, you weren't always living such a pure life, you know, mm-hmm. because many of us were not always living such a pure life, even if we're living a pure life now. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, I could go on and on. This is even religiously where this is, comes gets into trouble is that, you know, that's where the expression people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, meaning instead of us sitting in judgment of others and feeling like, well, you know, I do everything right and you don't, that's unlikely. That's a person who has a lot of shame yeah. because by definition, we are very flawed as mm-hmm. a species. We are. And that's, that's too what I want to say is I call this like a shame attack when we get very critical and when we get very hard on ourselves. And when we tell someone else, we're, we're again, like you said, not bringing in that secrecy, but also we can receive empathy from somebody else that's safe and therefore it'll be easier for us to give ourselves that empathy. I think that's too most important is, is to avoid that shame attack is to give that ourselves so, so much empathy. But in order to do that, we have to be vulnerable. And why is that hard for people to be vulnerable? Well, it's such a great question, Melissa. Great. Um, it, it's, it's really counterintuitive, right? You're afraid of being exposed. You're afraid of being rejected by the tribe, as we said from evolutionary times. And now I'm going to go be vulnerable and tell people I care, people who could shame, maybe as you never know, yeah. um, something about me that could be used against me. So it takes incredible courage to be vulnerable because, and, and I think that if people are listening and thinking about trying some of these strategies, you have to already have empathy for yourself because then if someone, if I said to someone, you know, like I, 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 I did something that I'm really not proud of and, you know, I, obviously I would choose my audience carefully, but even then if it went badly, mm. I've got to be, I've got to have the empathy for myself, but the vulnerability is to acknowledge that I can still be a worthy human being and make mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's vulnerability. And that is true courage in psychology. That is true courage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not many people can do that. By the way, we spend a lot of time teaching clients about that yeah. is to normalize that people do things wrong and to own it is incredibly courageous. And it really is a gift to the world because other people, when I hear your vulnerability or someone else's, but it's one of the, actually one of the beautiful things about our center is that when mm-hmm. we get together as therapists, we often do share our vulnerabilities we do. and it makes it safe mm-hmm. for everyone else. It's really was an important piece of when I built the center is to to not create therapists that are like, yes, we have perfect lives and we're going to treat you guys who don't have perfect lives. Yeah. It's not horrible. Don't go to a therapist who acts like that, by not the way. The yeah. So that's the answer on why it's so important. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on vulnerability and courage? Yeah. And, and a lot of people in at the center, I feel, say that, you know, it was a weakness coming to the center. It was a weakness coming. Yes. Interesting. Eh? Yeah. It's actually an act of strength. Wouldn't yeah. you say? And that's what I tell them all the time is that this took a lot of strength and courage to to reach out and to seek support. And you mean it. And I mean you? it. Yeah. Right. I mean it. Yeah. I always jokingly say I'd like in my perfect world, I'd only hang out with therapists and yeah. clients <laughs> because the people who don't want to come in. No. They are, they worry me. And I'm not saying if you're listening and you haven't gone to therapy that, you know, 
you're, you're, you should be ashamed. Not at all. I'm just saying that I think that we're in a collective experience together, that there are challenges. And, you know, we all have had our moments that we're not so proud of. Like mm-hmm. anyone listening, you know, I'm sure you're thinking of moments in your life that you weren't proud of. You've had moments in your mm-hmm. life that you haven't been proud of. of. And career moments, romantic moments, uh, family moments. I can say as a mother moments. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that's sharing the story normalizes it. Yeah. But I think that, okay, now here's the problem. What if you grew up with shame-based parents? How am I supposed to go tell the story when I was told, or I, if I was brought up with the idea that you must never show your flaws, you must never show that vulnerability because the world will eat you up. Yeah. And that's another technique too. And a great point because, um, another part of reducing that shame is to understand where it comes from, like our origins and our family and the messages that we were received because the shame came from somewhere. So we treat ourselves how we were treated. So definitely looking at some of the messages. And I think when you're dealing with shame is to, is to look at, you know, if, if it wasn't okay to talk about certain things about the, in the family that we have to take a step back, acknowledge that as shame and acknowledge that, that that's not, necessarily the rule that I want to live by anymore. Right. And challenging that thought. Right. Absolutely. So I think that's that's a very big piece of the puzzle if you grew up with shame-based parents. The problem with shame-based parents is shame-based parents have unconsciously will have no choice but to shame their children, which is why this is an important show. Because if you live with a lot of shame and you don't want your kids to suffer from shame, you've got to work through your shame and your vulnerabilities that we are not perfect. Again, we are not, we, we are a complicated species Very. and, um, our vulnerabilities, by the way, are what make us most attractive. Actually. I don't really, don't you like people when they admit their vulnerabilities? Yes. It's, and that's what I was going to Yes. That's what I was going to say is that when we are vulnerable and when it goes well, it develops connection and intimacy that is so to our, to, to my soul, it feels so good to connect yeah. and to, to feel that I belong, that I matter. So yeah, it's it, so, it definitely helps. It's with so connection. true in, in romantic relationships. When someone would admit a vulnerability, I it creates connection. Uh, right. And if someone plays the quote unquote Martha Stewart game, like I'm not that she does that anymore, but before her jail, you know, I'm perfect. I, everything's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't create connection. No, it's not. It, it doesn't feel genuine. Doesn't feel genuine. Yeah. So when, when there's a lot of, it's scary, but there's a lot of rewards for being vulnerable. Yeah. So maybe when we come back, um, I'll ask you a little bit to talk about um, how people can move towards getting more vulnerable. And I'd also like to talk about, I think this is important to make sure we get this in the show, the differences between men and women yeah, when it comes to shame. Yep. shame. And and there are specific male shames and specific female shames, and they, they may be affecting your relationship right now. And I know they affect mine. There's no doubt about that because, again, uh, men are raised in a certain way, you know, that's there's a certain role that they have to take on. And it's not been easy for men, by the way, I should say that because they were raised very much, you know, strong, silent, like that's cool, that's sexy. And vulnerability doesn't really fit into that image. And Mm -hmm. yet vulnerability is such a necessary piece of a relationship. So we definitely want to talk about that, right? Yes. Okay. So we're going to take a break, but maybe you could think about in your own relationship, where is shame being played out? Is your partner trying to hide it, try to aggressively go against you when, when something comes up or are they always trying to please you? Is that a factor that's playing out? Something to think about. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So, um, yeah, we're back on this, like, loaded topic. So many comments, so many questions, so many thoughts on shame and shame triggers. Yes. So we talked about shame, what it is, um, shame versus guilt, the critical thoughts. But also I'm really interested, too, in, in Sandra, your opinions on where does where does shame show up in men and what are the differences where shame shows up in women? Well, yeah. Great, great question. And that's where we left off. And it's important because it's, again, men tend to have one main trigger, which is their, they don't want to be perceived as weak. Mm. Okay. And the thing is, a lot of us still believe that vulnerability is weakness. Vulnerability is strength. I think we should say it together. Vulnerability Vulnerability is is strength. strength. It's a sign of strength. But you see, you know, back in the day, they had the Marlboro man, you know, you're too young, you don't remember that. But they had this big poster of this guy who was a smoker, which was, you know, we we're just talking about that before the show too, how things have changed. But you know, strong, stoic, silent type, not showing any emotion. So the thing is, a lot of men grew up on that image. And if the idea is that being vulnerable, showing your emotions is weakness, that's a problem. What about physical strength, financial clout? emotional stoicism, same thing, is if men tend to equate weakness with failure, there's a lot of shame attached to if they're not strong enough, mm-hmm. if they're not holding it together. Women, on the other hand, they we still, as women, tend to have a lot of shame about our appearance. But again, it's a vicious cycle, right? Because we have it as women, but society also perpetuates it, yes. right? There's still a lot of uh, shaming women on appearance. And Women also feel a lot of pressure to achieve beauty and perfection without 
not not feeling like they have to put a lot of effort to it mm-hmm. into it and they must be good parents so these are the common thoughts for men and women men it's i can't support my family that would be disastrously shameful i'm a failure at my work or i'm a failure at my marriage or i'm a failure in bed or i'm a failure with money i did that wrong i'm wrong or defective and i mean you know we see sometimes men can be defensive when they're you know in couple therapy not that women can but if we're talking about something that may have happened that would be problematic if you hear a defensive man you i guarantee you're dealing with a man with a certain amount of shame and we're going to talk about that, but there are different levels. Some people are better at saying, oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't do that so well. Whereas the sentences with women tend to be, I'm not attractive. I should look pretty and put together all the time. That's a big one. Mm. Okay. As I said in my sweatpants, I constantly feel bad about that because I see all these women who always look so good together all the time. But anyways, it's not, That's the comparison. It's not about me. <laughs> I'm a bad parent. I'm a bad spouse. I never do enough for my family. I never do enough at work. I never do enough in bed. I should be able to do it all effortlessly. I mean, this is a show in itself. Yes. I mean, it's Women's Day today, for goodness sake. I mean, I'm going to hand it over to you. But for, you know, I want you to give your comments on men and women. But for women, can we start, since we're women and it's Women's Day, we're going to start first on that. How many women feel they should be able to do it all effortlessly? Be mothers, be, you know, yeah. at their jobs and, and wives and look yeah. great. And let's, let's be the best at work, be the best at home, be the best in the housework with our kids. Like, so much pressure, a lot of pressure. And there's shame if you can't do and it. And shame, right? Lots of shame. And there's shaming going on. Yeah, they, there could be external shame from somebody else making us feel like it's not good enough or not inadequate enough. And then and also internal shame that we feel like we should be able to balance it all. And when we don't, that could lead to a lot of stress and anxiety and also depression symptoms. Absolutely. Good point. So what do you think of this idea that, you know, men's main trigger is being perceived as weak and, mm-hmm. you know, idea if they can't support their family or if they're not stoic all the time? Have you seen this in your practice? And what I said to you about if you bring me a defensive man, you're going to bring me a man who has been exposed to a lot of shame in his life. He was not nurtured yeah. in an environment that it was okay to make a mistake. Yeah, and and it comes from the the messages that we received as children, right? If if we receive messages that don't be such a baby, stop crying, yeah. right? Especially when we when we hear those messages as children, we quickly learn that that emotion is not okay. So if if our emotion creates anxiety in a parent, or or we see that our emotion creates. Uh, um, anger in another parent, then we're going to quickly learn to not feel that emotion and feel shameful for feeling that emotion. So we quickly just tend to keep it inside. But like you said before, then it turns into a symptom or a disease. So So, what, what, how do we get out of this? Like for men listening to the show, we have a big male following and they're like, I hear you. I want, I don't want to be defensive. I want to be okay with who I am, but I feel like such a failure if my wife looks disappointed in me because men, it's very important to men to see their wife looking happy. mm -hmm. So what would you say to them? What would be the strategy? Well, two things. I think one would definitely be challenging that inner critic because when we get into shame attacking ourselves, we get really hard on ourselves and that's not helpful. So one, and I think two, what would it sound like? Melissa? So what it sounds like is like, I would identify, okay, this is a shameful thought. Like we always want to label the thought first that this is shame. And this is what it felt like growing up in my family. And I'm choosing not to listen to my inner critic anymore. 
Okay, so I'm not listening to my inner critic. I'm a man. I'm not listening. What is the different dialogue that I'm telling myself? I messed up. I didn't call Mm -hmm. my wife when I was supposed to. She's upset with me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to shame myself, but I did mess up. Yeah. So what do I say to myself? Well, I think, you know, having accountability. So I, I I did not do the thing that I was supposed to do. However, I'm human and... I will learn from this. I will take this experience. But, you know, if someone else came to us and said the exact same thing that we were criticizing ourselves, we would never tell them the things that we tell ourselves. Really good point. We would never say that, right? So Not not like that anyways. No, we wouldn't say you're you're a failure, you're a loser. How could you not do that, right? So definitely what I try to do even to myself is say, how would I tell my friend? If my friend came up to me, what would I say to him or her? Yeah, that's a good, good strategy. And I think the other one too, what do you think about communicating this? to it? Like the example that you brought up with your partner, if you're feeling that there's shame coming from an external force, what, how would you feel about communicating that? I'm sorry, I'm not sure what you're referring to. <laughs> so in the example that you said in terms of, in terms of let's say, um, you know, you feel shame from your partner. If they throw their shame on you? Yeah, if the, if they shame us. Okay. And we get triggered and we feel shamed. Yeah. Well, I think it's a bit like parenting. I think it's the same thing as like, you know, like uh, even this does happen with my, my husband where one of us has done something wrong and we're careful to not go, you know, you screwed up. Yeah. You know, that's no good. It's like, you know, something happens and just wants to let you know. So, you know, maybe we can come up with a strategy so it doesn't happen again. I think we're starting to talk now a little bit about one of the reasons relationships get into a lot of trouble is Mm -hmm. we do tend to play the let's shame each other game. Mm -hmm. And the problem is the game's very contagious because once you've been shamed, you're going to want to shame someone else, you know, so they think they're so perfect. Wait till I catch them making a mistake. So I think that's what you mean by uh, the conversation. And what about these So men with the defensiveness or it's, you know, again, not feeling that they have to always be the protector and, you know, in charge of the family and normalizing that it's okay to be vulnerable, that it's manly to be vulnerable. Can we accept that it's manly to be vulnerable? Yes. I think it's huge strength in our, in, in people's process is to accept that we, you know, all the expectations that we place on ourselves just to try and reevaluate those expectations and not place ourselves as we have to be the provider. We have to be, uh, you know, the one to do it all and just kind of, Again, I think communication and checking in with our expectations that it's okay that, you know, we're not um, we're not all that is expected of us. Right. No, I think that's well said. And I think that it's also going to be a different world. And is this not where we're going in psychology and couple dynamics to even say to a partner, even mm-hmm. a male partner saying to a female partner or, you know, I'm sure this could work in same sex relationships, too. But, you know, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm finding it very hard mm-hmm. um, and that not be shameful. And I think that goes for the women, too, because. We also, you brought up comparison, and I think that as a mother, I can tell you that working mothers tend to shame non-working mothers, and non-working mothers tend to shame working mothers, and there's this whole thing going on, and I think that we have to get it together because we're all trying to do the best we can, and there is no perfect parenting. As a matter of fact, the research shows that good enough parenting is better than perfect parenting, which is good news for shame-based research. Uh, But again, we the comparison that you talked about 
can really feed shame, can't it? It can. It's it's so toxic. It it feeds it, and then we just again we're fearing that we're not belonging or that we're less than, and um and yeah. So that's why I encourage you if any comparisons going on, just try to eliminate if you can, and try to just uh you know gratitude of about what you're going through and and the things in your life that that you are. But I love how you said too when communication with uh, when you feel shameful is to communicate it. To yeah, you, to your partner, I, and your I think that your couple has to learn, you know, to not jump on the bandwagon. On when somebody's vulnerable is not a good time to go in for attack. You know, it's it's the research does show that shame clouds good judgment, it skews perception, and it drives destructive and unhealthy behavior. So again, I want to mention on the show that you know where there's addiction, where there's compulsive behaviors. If you're really looking carefully, you're going to find a lot of shame. Your partner's drinking too much. Mm -hmm. Your partner's playing too many video games. Um, you know, you're playing too many video games. This, these are all ways people try to move away from this horrible feeling of shame. And so, what are some other strategies that they can do? You know, if they feel like, well, but I'm really not good enough. I, I'm not good enough. I'm not sure I belong. What else can they do? Yeah. So, some strategies that I go through is definitely one recognition. So like I said before, labeling that this is shame, labeling the thought. I always say that you can't fix a roof that's leaking if you don't know it's leaking, right? So we need to Great. know what emotion we need to know what emotion we're dealing with so that we can do something about it. Two is definitely learn the family rules. So all these messages that you got from the family, whether it was direct messages or indirect, and the secrecy around that is just that can when I when you start to understand the family dynamics and the family rules, it leads to a lot of um, less self blame. We blame ourselves a lot less. Um, number three, stop our inner abuse, stop our inner critic. So learning thought stopping techniques. Um, again, like what I said, this is what shame feels like. This is what it felt like growing up, and I'm choosing not to listen to my inner critic. And and the last uh, technique that I have is is like you said, is that empathy. Um, so really talking to ourselves how we would talk to a friend and acknowledge the error or the mistake if it was, but try not to attach it to your own identity. You know, that I did a mistake, but I'm human. And uh, because a lot of people have difficulty with compassion because they feel like they're, they're not uh, taking accountability if they give themselves compassion. Mm, that's an interesting point. And you can actually still give yourself compassion. Yes. And take responsibility can you not yeah because why like the the self the self-criticism is torture it's like if I beat myself enough over this that's not going to change reality right. right no matter how much you punish yourself for it it's not going to change what happened so why not talk to ourselves in a in a lighter sense where we acknowledge what we did but we talk to ourselves in a more compassionate empathetic way so that we can take that and learn from it because shame again it just goes into destructive other behaviors if we just keep punishing ourselves over it and don't we deserve to forgive ourselves oh yeah so true such a good segue right there um you know i think that really all these great strategies and for people listening i think it's really so important that it's a bit like going to the gym you have to practice the strategies you really have to do it do it do it because I don't know how you grew up, but there was certainly a lot of shame messages in my growing up. And I don't think 
it's something that I could overcome just by going, okay, I'm not going to feel shame anymore. I think it's really an ongoing thing. And we urge our clients to practice these strategies on a regular basis. And when we come back, I'm also going to talk about a strategy that involves your whole physical body uh, for helping you with shame, because there is a physiological response to shame. So time's just running by on this topic. You brought so much great stuff, Melissa. Thank you. Um, We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So we're back talking about shame, a universal emotion that's very dark, very painful, and one that we all try to avoid in different ways, whether it's pushing the shame onto someone else, whether it's avoiding it, or whether it's actually trying to placate people so much so that you, they, God forbid, could ever reject you. And, you know, if you're listening, you probably fall into one of these patterns because, again, shame is a, a universal condition. Um, so I promised I would talk about an exercise, but before I do that, I just want to say, and I feel like we're running out of time and it's important for me to say this, that if you do, you know, it's one thing if you grew up in your family of origin with shame, it's unfortunate, but if you're living right now with your friends or a partner who shames you on a regular basis, I really would encourage you to, you know, reach out for some help because that is very, very what we like to call in our industry toxic. So if I'm going to go to a friend of mine and say, you know, I really feel ashamed because I I haven't been a good mother to my kids this week. And my friend turns around and goes, well, yeah, you should feel ashamed because I've noticed you're really not a good mother. That's a problem. That's a problem. And I'm not saying that people can't, you know, sort of gently say, you know, maybe we can strategize how you can 
be a better mom or whatever. I'm not saying that people have to Pollyanna you, but shaming someone is not okay. I, I We were discussing this on the break and the word that came up for you when I discussed this was boundaries, right? Because a lot of, when you said that, it reminded me is that, and I've heard this like in my personal life, maybe not directed towards me, but some people, when they say that, you know, that you really are a bad mother, it's like, they feel like they're being direct and truthful. Yeah. But there's such thing as too much truth and there's yes. such thing as shaming somebody. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that's why it's, that's why it becomes toxic. So it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay in marriage either. I do want to say this isn't a show on marriage, but since we do so much work with couples, yeah. it's not okay for a couple to shame some one part of the couple to shame the other. It's okay to have needs. It's okay to express them, but it's not okay to shame someone. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to mention the exercise and I know there's something you want to talk about to help people as a takeaway. So I'll just mention the exercise first. So you had talked about a lot of strategies. I wanted to add one in, which is when you feel shame is very helpful to sometimes take note where in the body you're feeling it and to literally put your hand over the area uh, in a comforting way. Really, literally, there's a lot of research on this to direct uh, a type of affirmation energy to that area of the body. Because You know, it's strange, Melissa, we're in the field of psychology, but the field of psychology and medicine are converging a lot these days because we know that feelings of shame and feelings of depression are linked, unfortunately, with disease, disease. And we know there's research, for example, you know, there's debate on whether it causes disease, but there's not much debate about how much worse the disease can get if you're going through these. So literally putting your hand over that part of that body and saying some you know, affirmations or things to yourself, like what you talked about, like saying, I'm human, it's okay, literally will affect the cortisol in your body, Mm -hmm. which is the stress hormone, which is directly linked with almost every disease that we, that modern humanity deals with. Yeah. An important one. Very. And I found that really helpful. And um, another thing too, is I tell clients to, because shame, again, what we talked about, we can't see it, we can't concretely feel it like we can feel it in our bodies but is to try and create some sort of image attached to it so you know what color is it what shape does it look like just trying to where where is it localized in your body just trying to have some imagery to it imagery is very powerful um in in healing and also to help you know recognize it but also a compassion so what does your compassion imagery look like what color is your compassion and even trying to visualize you know like the compassion color kind of overtaking yeah the the shame part it's interesting because you know five ten years ago that might have sounded woo woo uh, but now the research you know this is why we see so much information now in psychology on meditation and mindfulness and we know that you know literally relaxing your body Mm -hmm. is a very big factor because we do have the capacity to uh, turn on a parasympathetic nervous system which is rest and repair and rest and repair is extremely important and shame is very very anxiety provoking I know there were some other strategies you wanted to mention yeah on the break we were talking about how um, to with shame it's it's this really one of the cognitive distortions is or the way that our mind tricks things into making things worse is really this idea of all or nothing thinking so when we feel shame it's like either we feel all good or all bad and what's the problem when we sort of dichotomize us into all good or all bad well first of all dichotomous thinking is linked with almost every psychological problem because it's not that simple. We are a bit of both. 
Yeah. We are both good and bads. And people listening right now might be going, no, 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 I'm a good I'm person. I'm so good. I'm all yeah. good. <laughs> but you see, it's very dangerous to think like that because there's nowhere to go but down. So the truth is that we're all good people. We're all bad people. We do good things. We do bad things. So that's the danger. And it's if, extreme. Yes. But if we can accept that, like accept our flaws, accept that we have good qualities and we have bad qualities and we have helpful qualities yeah. and we have unhelpful qualities. And that's just what makes us human. It is and so when we accept it that, it kind of really doesn't mean that it gives me permission to act out very negatively. No, but it gives me permission that, you know, not to be so hard on myself and to look at myself instead of saying I'm all good or all bad. Is right. Just look at reality. That well said. Well, that's empathy. What you're doing, right? Yep. And so you're developing. It's literally, and this could be another show. It might have to be. It's literally developing a love affair with yourself. Yeah. And love affair with yourself includes the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like you can't just love your good parts because no. that's easy. Yeah. Can you love the parts that are not so good? You know, it's funny. You know, we're running out of time, but it's the same. I often talk about that, even with physical appearance. You know, you, you we don't get to have a la carte loving our body. You got to yeah. love all of your body. You yeah. know. So, um, Melissa, you're brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on Straight Talk and helping us work through such a, you know, complex and deep issue, shame. And it's really something that plays out in our day-to-day operations. And I'm just really grateful to you for helping people understand. And uh, do you have any last words you want to say on shame? Any last tidbits? Yeah, just, um, I'm so, when you first introduced this idea, this topic to me coming on the show, I was so happy because um, this is what I find one of the hardest emotions to regulate. And, you know, it's kind of, the last words I want to say is is kind of uh, stemming from what you said before, is that there's no quick way to get out of this. There's no, no easy, easy way. And how do we get better at something? Practice, practice, practice. And we're going to do that. And we invite you to do it with us. I mean, you know, the funny thing about being in the field that we're in is we get to talk about these topics and it gets to remind us that we have to keep working on it ourselves. Because, you know, maybe that's my final message of the day is that you're not alone. Everybody uh, has this challenge of shame and not feeling good enough. And um, I'm I'm happy that you came on the show to help normalize this to people. So thank you again, Melissa. Um, that's really all the time we have today. I'd I'd also like to, um, thank all of you for listening to straight talk with Sandra Reich. Um, really the feedback from the show has been really, really special and motivated me to keep coming up with topics and please continue to write when you have a topic that you're interested in. We're very happy to do it. If you're interested in anything that was mentioned today, therapy or any other media, please go to helpforanxietydepression.com. Previous shows you can find at straighttalksandareach.com. I forgot to say, how do people reach you, Melissa? Yeah, they can call the center at 514-777-4530. And, you know, sometimes people do call because they want to work with you and they want to learn how to navigate shame. And, you know, it's just a little thought that's in my head right now is I think another mistake about psychotherapy, because psychotherapy also has shame attached to it, yes. is that people think that they're going to go into therapy for years and years and years. Our goal is not to keep people in therapy years and years, no. is to come in. And, and I'm, that's not a plug for the center as much as a plug for getting help wherever you are. If you're struggling with this, it's a horrible feeling. And sometimes having someone empathetic in your corner, which a good therapist can do, can make all the difference to model what it looks like to have someone in your corner. So something to think about. So 
Um, where was I in my goodbye for today? Um, feel free to write to us anytime and leave a question on Facebook. Um, the Facebook site is Straight Talk Sandra Reich. Uh, please join us and like the page while you're there. And remember, you can hear this in any other prior show as a podcast on my website, which is straighttalksandarich.com on the podcast app of your iPhone and on iTunes under Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. So feel free to write us and have if you have any questions. Um, that's it for today. My name is Sandra Reich, and I promise I'll help you learn to live your best life again next Thursday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, this is Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, and keep your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show, and we'll tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life.